GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. I hope you've had a good week. World Wildlife Day will be celebrated on Saturday at the Natural History Museum at Parsons Lodge. We'll get the details from Dr. Keith Ben-Susan of the Gibraltar Ornithological and Natural History Society and Dr. Stuart Finlayson of the Gibraltar National Museum. And after attending her first smoking cessation clinic, our news editor Christine Vasquez talks to us about her efforts to kick the habit. But first, plans for a large aquarium at Vitterling Yard have received outline planning permission. The area in Rosier Bay currently houses the dog kennels. And here to give us his perspective is vet Mark Pizarro, who objected in yesterday's proceedings of the Development and Planning Commission. Good afternoon, Mr Pizarro, and tell us a little bit more about why you think this aquarium should not be allowed. Well, the main basis objection is, I believe it's it's animal cruelty um, to take wild animals and put them in a confined space. You know, whichever way you look at it, you know, I think it's wrong. I mean, people almost don't associate fish being animals; they just they, they objectify them that way. You know, it's it's not it's okay to put a shark in a tank, but it's but it's not okay to put a tiger in a cage. You know, it's, they're, they're animals, they're, they're, you know, they're sentient beings. You know, why should, you know, the whole concept of putting these animals in a confined space is, is, in my view, abhorrent. I mean, I think it's the sort of thing that society should be moving away from. I mean, what we're going to have next, you know, performing dolphins, you know, clapping seals. I mean, this is things which I thought... We would move it as 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 society are moving away from you know as we become more educated. I mean to go this, this for me is is a backward step. I really do feel that. Even for smaller fish, just to play devil's advocate, uh, they are sentient beings still, and and they would live a worse life in in captivity. Well, that's a, that's an interesting point. You bring up smaller fish. I mean, do you know that in the aquarium trade, eighty percent of fish that arrive. 80% of them die in transport and movement when they catch them before they get to this aquarium in your house. So even if you've got an aquarium, you really got to start thinking about what you're doing because these animals, you know, they are animals. You know, why? Just because they're animals and they go around in circles doesn't mean that we should confine them. I mean, as I said, the death rate is, is colossal. You just, anybody, just Google it. Any aquarium fish, 80% death in transport. And I think another 80% die in the first year of captivity as well. So it's massive death rates. Just, you know, just so that humans can look at a fish and say, look how pretty it is. I mean, I don't know. I think it's wrong. Um, I suppose the, the counter-argument is that it could inspire um, some young people to, to sort of appreciate their beauty and and learn more about them. Is there no way of doing an aquarium that um, might satisfy your concerns? No. Is it, then you're okay to have a zoo's? Again, we go back to the fish element in the cages. You know, if if it's all right to have a fish in cage, what it's okay to have, you know, bears in cages performing bears because we appreciate them because how beautiful they are. You know, nowadays with television and documentaries, I I can't see that being an argument. To be honest, on top of that, we live next to the sea. You know, you want to see fish. You know, you just go to the sea. You know, get a snorkel in the summer or 
or this this the, the the documentaries that you can see on television you know nowadays with with high definition you know they're so much more lifelike they're amazing than, you know like blue planets exactly and that sort of you know you, you get more from that than watching a fish go around in an aquarium i mean i really can't see how it can be justified i really can't Yet, um, it's not something that's outlawed. I mean, I don't know if, if uh, you've ever um, suggested that, uh, that that it should be. I mean, there will be no laws broken, clearly, if oh, this were to go ahead. Not at all. I mean, it's not right. I mean, there's a lot of laws out there which, from many things which we all know are, are wrong and yet often pushed by money, basically. I mean... We could go. We be here for hours talking about that. But yeah, sure. And and um, when you think of you, you mentioned zoo as a comparison. Uh, um, some zoos talk about uh, sort of try to um, put across a, an ethical message that the animals have been um, removed from um, sort of they, they, they were in an illegal trade um, uh, sort of um, situation and, and they've been removed and have been rehabilitated. I, I think all modern zoos now they look at the old verging towards wildlife parks where the, the, we don't have confined spaces anymore. I mean that is the general trend in society everything the bigger so if we are protecting a species from potential extinction or we are giving them a, a chance of life then the facilities are to accommodate a decent environment you know when i was growing up you know it's, you know it's looking back what we used to see in zoos it was you know it's it awful small animals com animals confined in a few square meters of cage you know that that i believe is being moved away rapidly in in all societies now, um, the the Vitaling Yard uh, complex um, is of great historical value, and it currently houses the dog kennels, which would continue uh, even if the aquarium goes ahead. Well, that's another point, point of contention, which was brought up at the meeting yesterday. Because if you build a cafeteria on the top, you build it basically and put a roof on the top, which would create a massive echo, echo effect. So I can't see how the kennels. And the associated noise can function with, with a cafeteria on the roof, etc. I mean, it's it's going to be an echo chamber up there. Um, and uh, what about the the impact on on your vet clinic more generally? No, I'm not worried about that. I mean, the, the place has to be developed. I mean, I appreciate that the place is right for development, and it should be developed. I, I totally agree with that. You can't leave it in the state it's been for the last. As long as I can remember, basically. Um, so, so it does. I mean, it does need to spruce up. It could do with a, with with a, with a light. You know, we've given some energy and some life into it. It's I a agree, large, totally. large space, no? It's massive. It's a beautiful, beautiful, it's a beautiful yeah, space. With those archways, and... it's beautiful in there. So, therefore, it does need to be something needs to be done with it. But is this the right project? I don't believe it is. What would you like to see happen there? I don't know. I mean, there's, there's also communities. There's 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 arts could be put in there. People can, you know, divide them into areas. We could put so 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 for for the community, you know, develop into so, you know, studios for for artists or music areas for kids and go to practice instruments. You know, it's a massive area. It could easily accommodate any of that, which would be great and beneficial for the community. I must admit, when I saw footage of. Of the inside, I, I was somewhat taken back by how large it is, and and surprised, therefore, in a small place like Gibraltar, where land seems to be seized up very quickly and and developed, uh, that uh, that there's so much 
untapped potential there for any you know you, you mentioned uh, art spaces which i'm sure would work really well but it could be a, a whole load of things and uh, has it not sort of um generated more interest uh have there been other sort of would-be developers who've looked at it in recent years to your knowledge i think so it's gone, gone up for tender quite a few times and nobody's come through with anything which well which has been looked upon favorably i don't know because i'm not on the i'm not on that side of the, the see yeah, i suppose i'm asking equation. Uh, as as uh, somebody who works in the area, but, but the areas, I mean, I've been inside the the room. Then it's a lovely vault. They're not even vaults; it's just a large open space there, which which, which could be used so well for lots of other things. But, you know, oh, some things make some things might not make money. Some things just have to be for for the community. I mean, but we have a lot of that around Jib, and this is an area which I think would be perfect for that. Okay, so um, the the plans for a large aquarium at Vitaling Yard have received outline planning permission. Um, it doesn't mean construction can start yet. They still need to get full planning permission. What are your hopes and expectations uh, ahead of that next round? Well, I hope people come see sense in it, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, apart from... The ethical, you know, the carbon footprint on, of an aquarium is enormous. I mean, there's no way that'll be that'll be carbon neutral. No way at all to maintain large tanks at, a, at an even temperature, etc. And 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 then what happens if there's a power cut? You know, the animal's going to die. You know, it's, there's so there's so much other stuff which needs to be incorporated into any planning for 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 keeping live animals and often live animals. Imported, probably, you know. Uh, so, and is is a, is can we import them anyway legally? Do we? Is it, you know, the nearest point of entry would be Algeciras. So I don't know. It's, I think there's so many, there's so many obstacles, and I just I just don't see it, and I just see the animal suffering at the end of it. To be honest with you, you don't see the the sort of potential um, for scientific um, collaborations, or I can't remember the wording that they use, but uh, that that they try and work with the University of Gibraltar to, to sort Not of foster learning. I think they threw out, I think names were thrown out then as the minister asked at the time of, of the, the meeting yesterday. The answers were not in any way convincing. It's almost like they're throwing names out without any, you know, any justification that this was actually the case. I mean, the minister alluded to that yesterday, so I can't, I don't think that's, that that is correct. And, you know, scientific research, we can do scientific research, you got to do it in the wild. You know, what's, I can't see the, honestly, what, to have two classrooms up there, you can put two classrooms anywhere where people can do research. Like, uh, that is not, that is not a, a valid argument. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. World Wildlife Day will be celebrated tomorrow at the Natural History Museum at Parsons Lodge. The global theme is Connecting People and Planet, Exploring Digital Innovation in Wildlife Conservation. How will it be celebrated locally? Well, here to tell us more, uh, Dr. Keith Ben-Susan of the Gibraltar Ornithological and Natural History Society. I don't have that written down. I don't know why I couldn't say ornithological. Uh, Have I said it right? 
You have. Okay. You have. <laughs> Just about. Uh, Gons and, uh, and also Dr. Stuart Finlayson of uh, the museum. Um, and we've, we've talked to you recently about the new museum and it's a, it's a beautiful place. Uh, 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 I suppose fitting to, to sort of, now that it's up and running, to, to celebrate World Wildlife Day there, no? Absolutely. In, in fact, some people may not remember, we celebrated World Wildlife Day a few years ago and we used the Gustavo Bacarisas galleries and casements. COVID then came and I think it's been the perfect opportunity now with a new natural history museum uh, to join forces, GONS and the museum and all of the other NGOs and entities um, and celebrated at Gibraltar's new natural history museum. Okay, so um, give us a flavour of what's in store. So, well, first of all, I think we should, um, we should briefly outline the origin of World Wildlife Day. So World Wildlife Day uh, in its inception was was devised to commemorate the the establishment of of the um of CITES of the uh, convention in international trade in uh, endangered species uh, by the UN but since since then it has expanded to to include wildlife and an appreciation of wildlife more generally um as as you stated this year's uh, theme focuses on on technology on digital technology but we are going to be looking at uh, Gibraltar's wildlife more generally, and we're going to be focusing especially on the amount of wildlife that can be that can be observed in that tiny area that comprises uh, Parsons Lodge, which, I, as I hope people will find tomorrow, uh, is home to a surprising amount of wildlife. Uh, so, Stuart, would you like to outline what the activities are? Or? Well, I think we're going to have different activities. You're going to have uh, the opportunity to to be around scientists and learn a little bit about raptor watching. Hopefully, if the birds are coming through, you'll actually be able to see them. And different chances to look at moths, for example. So, so raptor watching, you mean uh, actual migration? Actual or? migration, yeah. Okay. In fact, the weather seems to be quite good. So we're, up to, we're feeling a little bit optimistic with that. What are um, we <clears throat> looking at? Black kites? Could be black kites, could be short-toed eagles. And I, th I think there's always a chance for almost anything to, to be coming at this time of oh, year. Amazing. And um, various other things, moth traps, we're doing bug walks, looking, you know, encouraging children to be able to look down. Um, plants, learning a little bit about plants, learning about bats, learning about, yeah. you know, various different things. So I, th I think it's important to put a word in for, for, those, um, for those insects, those mm -hmm. bugs in particular, because... Um, although they're mm -hmm. tiny, they're they're not noticed by many people, and indeed, when when they are people, some people tend to view them as a nuisance. But in fact, they compri they comprise the majority of life on Earth by far. So we hope to be able to observe many different species of moths and uh, other creepy crawlies around the place. And through this, hopefully, encourage the next generation of naturalists from Gibraltar, which I think I think we need that here in Gibraltar. For sure. Moment. Well, the world needs them. Yeah, no? absolutely. Um, and, and why is it, do you think, that um, people generally dislike insects? I mean, because I think you're right, you know, that they do so much, and, and they're, they're, they're such an important part of our ecosystem, yeah. but... We I, generally I, recoil, don't I, we? I think, I think because they're small, we don't tend to notice them, even though uh, many insects are extremely beautiful, in fact, um, when, especially when viewed under a microscope. But the ones that we tend to be exposed to are, are the ones that are either pests of food or household pests and things like that. So, so, so then, unfortunately... Then we categorise all the others in, or put all the others in the same exactly. basket. Exactly. We, we judge them uh, unfairly as, uh, as um, 
fellows of the of the cockroach and well, <laughs> an amazing animal as well but <laughs> but one that's harder to like yeah. <laughs> people will also have the opportunity of seeing uh, the gons raptor unit they'll be there they'll have a golden eagle uh, an eagle owl a peregrine falcon a short-tailed eagle um, and, you know, they'll be able to see these children and, and adults alike will be able to see these animals up close, speak to the people uh, who work with them and understand a little bit about these amazing animals too. Those birds are, 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 re are really, really impressive yeah. to see up close, no? I mean, I think it's the eagle, uh, the eagle owl mm. um, that, that has mesmerising eyes, no? Yeah, he does. It yeah, does an enormous talons as well. Mm. I mean, uh, an absolute apex predator. Beautiful. Um, and those are sort of spread out across the day. If somebody's listening and thinking, oh, when should I go to, to catch the, the raptors, the, the, there'll be um, sort of uh, availability throughout these, the day. These yeah? things are staggered out yep. uh, during the day. And in fact, some of them will be repeated in case you come in the afternoon and you miss the morning session. Um, but yeah, they are staggered out pretty much in half an hour intervals throughout the day the the raptors will be there throughout the day mm. i think until about 3 30 something yeah um but but yes the other activities will mm. be will be staggered throughout the day They'll so be... we we have we have um uh, pushed out in our social media and the museum's mm. social media the timetable of events so i would urge people to check that that's on instagram or or x or or um facebook, facebook. yeah yeah, I was having a look, and it looks really good. Um, so so just to, to give a flavour, meet the short-toed eagle at 10.30. At 11 o'clock, there's a plant walk. 11.30, meet the peregrine falcon. Then there's a bug walk. Uh, and then you can meet the golden eagle. And, 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 and this so every half hour, there's something else that gives it a bit of focus, no? That's right. And there are activities which are happening throughout the day. For example, um, we've got the Jib Bats team there. They'll be talking to people and they'll be um, with the museum team as well, making um, certain crafts. Uh, with children to encourage uh, insects and so on so people can learn what we can be doing to to help some species so and gons will be running a, a moth trap as well so people can be seeing different species of moths that are found within uh, gibraltar so i think it should be fun and when we consider the climate emergency and biodiversity <clears throat> loss what's the importance of having that direct up close contact with nature I think, and I think, uh, I mean, the, the, the two are, are very closely related, of course, but I, I think that in parts they're two different things. We can talk about uh, the climate emergency as something that affects humans without necessarily considering biodiversity uh, and vice versa. But the importance of biodiversity, I mean, uh, apart from the sort of um, the, the ethical arguments, if you like, about the, the value of life and respect for life, it's uh, it's also very important to consider um, ecosystem services, the services, if you like, that that ecosystems and that species provide. Um, and <clears throat> I, in in general terms, I mean, when people when people have exposure to nature, they tend they tend to value it. And when people are isolated from nature, then not so much. So it's extremely important to bring people close to nature. We talk about the climate emergency, and I think people often forget or it overshadows the biodiversity emergency that we're living. You know, uh, we're, we're, we're looking at, we've lost more or less 70% of the world's um, wildlife in, in the last, in the last uh, you know, four or five decades. It's ridiculous. Um, people talk a lot about the sea Let's not forget about the land. Let's not forget about the birds, the insects, and everything else. So hopefully trying to get through to people, trying to talk to the younger generation. They're the ones that are going to be involved in the future. And um, 
help and encourage, try to find ways of, of being able to fix this situation or at least uh, stall. <laughs> and it, it is a challenge, isn't it, to, to sort of present, um, well, I, I think it is, not to present uh, those facts or, 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 or have an awareness of those challenges, biodiversity loss, climate emergency, um, and also try and instill hope and, and awe um, when talking to young people so that they can become champions uh, in this, no? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Sorry. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that we've done is we've created some panels and it's it's called The Last Selfie uh, with an image of, of a tiger or a lion, for example. And they'll have a chance to talk to scientists, people who, who live and breathe this day, uh, day in, day out and understand these these drops. And hopefully uh, one or two will get hooked. Yeah, the 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 hope will will surely come from from a, a groundswell in appreciation, and I'm I'm very confident that uh, that on the whole, young people, including children, especially children, um, are a lot more worried about the natural environment than our adults. Okay, so uh, a final pitch then for for somebody who's just caught the tail end of this interview, perhaps. World Wildlife Day being celebrated tomorrow at the Natural History Museum at Parsons Lodge. Why should they uh, pop along, and and who is it for? Is it you know is it particularly geared towards younger people and young families? It's 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 for absolutely everybody, um, but uh, in I think it's fair to say that in order to engage. Everybody, including families, uh, we are offering a lot for young people. I, I would, I would agree with that. It's open to everyone, and I think people, adults, will have the opportunity to talk um, about things that may interest them. But a lot of things are targeted as well at children, and um, it's free entrance, ten till six, and hope to see you there. Perfect opportunity for the whole family. Gibraltar today with Jonathan Scott. Have you managed to successfully quit smoking? If you have, perhaps you could share some tips. We're on 266 200. You can call us or you can send us a message on WhatsApp. After attending her first clinic, her first smoking cessation clinic, uh, good afternoon to Christine Vasquez, who's uh, here to report back. <laughs> good afternoon, Jonathan. It seems a bit sneaky. You go to, go to the primary care centre and then report him back. But there's a lot of good to report. Um, and, and, and obviously, you, you told them that you were going to talk about it. Oh, yes, yes, uh, it, yes. It, I didn't want to do, like, through the back no, door. but it's about amplifying... Uh, the the message and and sharing any challenges that you may have because other people might be able to identify and say, well, I'm also finding it tough, but look, Christine's holding on and solidarity. Well, Christine's holding on by the skin of her teeth. Um, yes, so the the clinic has has the JJ has been offering the clinic for a number of years now, but in in the way that it is at the moment, run by Aidan Lane, uh, it's been operational. For a year, the smoke, the smoking cessation clinic. It's already seen over two hundred and thirty patients, um, and it's aiming to expand its services and to improve them. And wanting more public awareness, perhaps including things like workshops on on addiction. Um, but a, a great thing to have on offer because you know it's there. I think it's always nice. That it's like doing Weight Watchers. It's always nice that you have to go and weigh yourself now and again and just to know that you're making that much effort and you have to sort of report to someone yeah, I think always accountability helps. no yeah yes yeah. and the support and it does offer a lot of support 
And they check levels of carbon monoxide? Yes. So uh, we've got another colleague who's also going. I mean, the the newsroom is becoming smoke-free. We've got one diehard, one asterisk in in Gaul. But apart from that, (laughs) we're doing rather well. Um, Yes, and he was saying, um, so Aidan Lane, who runs a clinic, as I said, was saying, it's not one size fits all. So what I may have been exposed to, somebody else will will see something something else. Um, some people addiction as a coping mechanism, um, and and tips on how to make it better, to reward yourself, to perhaps revive uh, an old passion, to realize how liberating it is that you don't need the the cigarette. Um, and to make sure that you don't go back, which is always the hardest thing, because you can relax. And I, I know from experience, I've done it for two months now, no smoking. And you do relax and you think... I can maybe just, I can just have one. No, maybe is, is I the can thought, just no? have one on Sundays. And and his advice is, not don't go there. You, it takes you back, right to step back. Okay. And, um, and, and uh, how hard have you found it, Christine? Because um, we're talking about um, uh, you associating certain things with having a cigarette and the other things you're still doing, no? And, and realising, so that's another thing that they do, make a list of what realising these trigger moments or these trigger points. Uh, obviously, for I think for a lot of people, it's a, a drink, a glass of wine, and you, you reach for the cigarette. Uh, for me, I find it's been the laptop as well, and... Um, the phone call, normally if I got a phone call, I would take it outside. Like a, a sensitive one that you need to take yourself out of the office for. I would reach for the cigarette immediately, phone, cigarette. Um, yeah, so I found the habit a lot harder than the addiction, but he was explaining that they go hand in hand. You you think that one, uh, the addiction isn't, you know, the nail mono and have the shakes. It's not like that. The addiction ha- takes many, many different um, ways and forms. And, and is- you were telling me something very interesting about a podcast that you'd listened to, where the body, if you do something religiously for years, um, and then suddenly you stop doing that, the body says there's something wrong here. You know, what is missing? There's something wrong. And so there's an alarm system there that you're doing... Something is lacking on what you would normally do. Yeah. And so uh, Aidan was saying you need to retrain the brain and you need to recalibrate calib- okay. what you've been doing. Very interesting. Um, uh, so in short, Christine, um, uh, would you recommend it? Would you recommend the smoking cessation clinic at the GHA? I would definitely recommend it. And I, I don't think they have... Uh, stats, or I don't know whether they have actual stats. I think they have quite a high success rate, actually. They also help if if you need, uh, for example, the patches or vapes or anything that would help you. And just, Jonathan, if I can get it in, you call after 11 o'clock. The number is the normal GHA appointments number. That's 52441. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.